Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. Oh my goodness, uh, so much stuff has been happening. As you know, it's been a whirlwind, so I'll get right to it. In my last podcast, I told you that Lauren and I were about to go see a live performance of the music of John Williams, the great composer best known for his soundtracks. And we actually went to what is called the Smith Center here in Las Vegas. And the group performing was the Las Vegas Philharmonic. And uh, it was just uh, a fantastic performance. I mean, the thing that struck me most about it was how that to be there in person with all the instruments necessary to play the music from Star Wars and Indiana Jones and Jurassic Park and all that, it sounded, I mean, everything they played, I mean, even, even really weird stuff like Close Encounters, everything they played sounded exactly like the original recording. And this is, you know, we're talking about music that we've heard our whole lives. So, I mean, your your ear is very attuned to that, especially if you're like me and you're kind of a geek and you buy soundtracks and stuff. And as you know, I, I wrote a book called Use the Force, A Jedi's Guide to the Law of Attraction. And so that shows you how much I am into uh, the Star Wars. And Indiana Jones has always been, you know, one of my, my favorite characters. So, I mean, it sounded so exactly like the original recordings that I have to be honest with you. In my opinion, yes, it's it's fun to you know dress up and go out for a night at the at the symphony orchestra and all that. But probably you know if you if you get on Amazon and you buy John Williams' greatest hits, you know, for like fifteen bucks, or you can get like the super collection for less than fifty and listen to it over and over and over, however you want. I mean. If you're on a tight budget, that you're probably better off to do that than spend the money it takes to go and and hear all this stuff live. And now Lauren disagrees because Lauren loved being in a position where she could actually watch every single one of the musicians playing his or her part, which is very impressive. Um, and I, on the other hand, I'm not as impressed, I think, by that sort of thing because... You know, I spent years when I was in school in uh, in the orchestra playing the viola and occasionally the violin, and uh, they. So I'm I'm kind of familiar with the mechanics of of how symphony orchestras work, and um, you know, I like to play instruments quite a bit. And during my school years, when I was a part of the strings program, playing the uh, the viola and again occasionally the violin um, I I found it to be a, a great experience in many ways um, but it was also frustrating I mean like for one thing my instructor was this German guy who was always pissed off he was like really hardcore I think he was having problems at home uh he was just an asshole. Let's just get right down to it. This guy was just an asshole. And uh, so it, it, you know, I would go into his, uh, his, his class where, 
you know, we were about to take our lesson and you know, I dreaded it, you know, because I just, I, I wasn't going to be playing at the level that this dude was expecting. But um, it's weird how that you have some of those memories, isn't it, uh, growing up of what, teachers, instructors, whatever you want to call them, who uh, it's like they would, sometimes they would just come to work and they would just be ready to take it out on the kids and and you don't want that mixed up with your music but anyway look we had a great time it was a wonderful uh live performance i again have to just applaud the uh the folks there at the las vegas philharmonic and so afterward we decided to go out and have dinner and we went to this restaurant that we'd heard was supposedly really good it turns out the restaurant is just really, really weird. They just have really bizarro stuff, and it's not cheap either. And so I won't go over the whole list of things that we ate because, you know, when we're in that situation, we're open-minded. We're like, okay, let's try this out. Let's just see. Uh, and of the weird things that we ate, the thing that stands out in my mind is this is this now now i have to go back in time for a minute um sometime oh long long ago i don't know i don't know like uh, certainly over a decade ago um i was on a book tour on the west coast even though i lived on the east coast and I as a, I finished up the book tour and I wanted to celebrate by taking a cruise. And I have hosted many, many cruises over the years where you get a group of people and we all go off and, you know, we, we have fun and we investigate pirates and the Bermuda Triangle. I mean, I, I don't do that anymore, but I've been on many, many cruises and I've been hired to do a lot of stuff on cruises. Uh, I've entertained VIPs. Uh, for A and E network at, on cruises, I spoke uh, at a conspiracy cruise. I mean, I've done a lot of cruise stuff, but this was a, just an opportunity where I said, "Lauren, you and I are just going to take an honest to God cruise, just the two of us, and uh, hopefully, we're going to be able to just sleep as much as possible." And so, this cruise left from Long Beach, California, and it went down. Uh, south in, in the Pacific Ocean there and it started hitting different parts of Mexico and at one point we went to a town in Mexico I believe it was Ensenada and so we go it's just a, the, the two of us sort of on our own because we're not hanging out with any buddies and we go exploring the the small town of Ensenada which was, had an eerie uh rundown quietness about it at that time as a matter of fact it kind of reminded me of some of those old clint eastwood spaghetti westerns where you sort of walk in and everybody looks at you funny and then you ask for a shot of in our case tequila and uh it was very odd but at one point we're walking down this desolate street and I think we'd already had two or three shots of tequila at that point because you don't want to drink the water. That's what everybody said. So you just drink tequila straight. So there was this um, 
doorway that caught my attention that led down below the street and so we walked down several steps below the street and now we're in this shop uh, a very sort of it was expansive but claustrophobic now i'm six foot two and i'm telling you i could barely walk through this i mean like anything hanging from the ceiling i would just have to maneuver around because the ceiling was was so close to the top of my head and it was packed with all kinds of oddities but um and and then a lot of you know just typical cheap stuff that they're rebranding and trying to resell you know as i'm sure a bunch of stuff like hats and t-shirts and stuff that they probably got from china and then they get some kind of slogan or something they think americans are going to like because they know that cruise ships come through there but anyway so i'm looking at all this crap and uh i go uh up to the counter to check out and i look and there i see this beautiful example of what is now often called a devil fish now this goes back to the carny tradition of trying to create something uh, they call them a gaff that looks like it might be a real cryptid or something like that and you you put it together often as a form of creative taxidermy so you might take of course you know something like a a a little monkey and a fish and sew them together and create the notorious fiji mermaid that pt barnum would uh, travel around with that sort of thing well um there was a devil fish and the devil fish it looks like a little aquatic humanoid uh it's devil fish when you see them and they are very rare uh, are are maybe about um i'd say one and a half to two feet usually uh from top to bottom and they're kind of mounted uh upright as if they're they're looking at you and, and it literally looks like a little dude often with a pointed head looking at you and he has these sort of uh spindly little appendages and and little fins that kind of look like wings and you know and it's just a very weird looking little object because it it literally looks like you're seeing a creature that comes from a mermaid merman culture that's just been hammered onto a wooden base and hung on the wall and even though i know what they are they are very very rare i mean if you if you i mean in fact it's it's much easier to find plastic reproductions than it is to find the actual ones because it does take a real craftsperson to make those things and so i tried like you wouldn't believe to buy that thing and do you know the man there at the counter would not sell it to me which is amazing to me because i think i could have bought his whole damn store you know but he just wouldn't have he just wouldn't sell me that thing it was it was the he wouldn't even give me a price on it he was so attached to it so that has always been an interesting little sort of like challenge for me is to uh to maybe get one of those things and there i've had you know i can get on the internet and i could buy one 
uh, not easily, but you know, relatively easily, put it in my museum or something like that. But I don't want to do that because I don't want to confuse people when they go to my museum and have them think that I'm some kind of a carny. You know, I'm very uh, particular about not not confusing, confusing or, or misleading people. But that is a very significant memory in my mind that this man was so attached to this thing. And you see, ultimately, what those are made of is a type of fish called a skate. S-K-A-T-E. Which is very similar to a stingray. Uh, It it, kind of looks like a stingray. And what these craftsmen do is they take a skate and they uh, go in there and they slice it and dice it and these you know taxidermists they they know how to make it look like a little guy uh, it's it's a, it's just the strangest thing you know and then they'll shellac it and you know whatever else they have to do with it but i never in my life that i can recall now i maybe i'm wrong but i don't recall ever having seen a skate on a food menu. So after the John Williams concert, here we are at this weird restaurant and they have skate wing on the menu. And immediately I know what this is. And uh, as a matter of fact, I'll just tell you, it costs $28 for a skate wing. And I said, you know, I've never even thought about eating one of these things, but what the hell? Uh, uh, You know, it's there in the kitchen. All right, fine. So I'm talking to Lauren. I'm reminding her what a skate is. We order this thing. It comes out. It's so weird. It, It literally looks like half of a stingray. But it has this incredible amount of uh, of fiber going through. It's cartilage fiber. I mean, it it almost looks like... um, Well, it's ironic because here we were at the John Williams concert and there was a woman playing a harp. So imagine laying a harp down horizontally and all the strings are cartilage. And even the cook himself came out, cook or chef, I don't know, and he said, um, now when you eat this thing, he said, uh, you're going to have to take your fork and just kind of scrape it along the surface of it, and sort of, and, this, and the skin will kind of roll off of the cartilage. Okay. So they bring this out, and if you want to see a picture of this, I posted it on my Twitter page at Joshua P. Warren. And what you do is you take your fork and you just kind of, uh, like he said, you just sort of scrape it from left to right. And this very tender, buttery, salty uh, flesh, you know, you can tell they've seasoned it quite a bit and whatnot. Um, it comes up off of those little strands of cartilage. And then you get a, a mouthful of, you know, pretty pretty tender um fish so but it was so bizarro that lauren actually posted a picture of it online and she said look we had a face hugger from alien you know the movie alien we had a face hugger from alien you know for dinner 
And so that gives you an idea uh, of how like odd that was. And again, that we had a lot of other odd stuff that night. But I tell you this because there's a good chance that you'll never have a skate in your life for dinner. And, you know, I did it. And so what I can tell you is that as far as the taste is concerned, it was it was light and you know, it was actually pretty good. The experience of having you know, having to get it off the cartilage that way was so weird that I don't care if I ever do that again the rest of my life. And it's hard for something not to be good when it's got a little butter and salt, you know. But as far as it, you know, it was a nice, light, tender fish. And it wasn't a fishy fish, you know. It wasn't something, you know, thick and fishy like, like a, you know, like a grouper can be or something like that. I mean, it was, it was, it was actually, you know, it was actually pretty good. So, what an interesting night we had then. And then, of course, last night, I told you we were going to see a comedian. Well, the comedian we went to see, one of my favorites, Norm MacDonald. Now, yes, I know that Norm MacDonald has said some controversial things over the years. All comedians have. As a matter of fact, I actually feel sorry for comedians these days because uh, part of getting a laugh is being uh, crass and insensitive and insulting. It goes back to the guy slipping on a banana pill. A guy slips on a banana pill, he hurts himself, and we laugh. But on the other hand, you have this whole other perspective now where it's like, oh my God, how dare you laugh that this person slipped on a banana pill, you insensitive bastard. This person is in pain you know so uh, humor in general is is becoming a very complicated thing in this day and age when when you have so many people who um who are confused i guess about uh what is what is and what is not appropriate when it comes to what's supposed to be funny which i've always thought that um humor is one of the most complex possibly the most complex thing uh, in terms of human behavior because you know what is funny it's a very subjective thing and we don't even know where it comes from and you look at pictures of or videos of chimpanzees and they're laughing and you're like what the hell is this chimp laughing at um you might even think you've seen your own dog or your own cat laugh i mean what is this thing called humor it's a very strange mysterious thing so we, but we went last night to see Norm Macdonald live here in Vegas, and uh, you know we we were laughing so hard, both of us were crying at, with laughter at various points, and it was, you know, it was just a really just a fun, great experience. And when you combine that with the week that I've had working on all these different experiments, and especially the meeting that I had with this gentleman from the UK, and I've been holding off a little bit on, on telling you more about him, but I am going to tell you a bit more about him. Um, this gentleman I met with from the UK, he was here in Vegas for a big conference that they do every year. It's a consumer electronics conference. And uh, he's always looking for innovations. And he is the best at what he does, top of the line, number one in the world 
innovation director, you know, for a huge company. I, I won't give out the name of the company, but I will tell you that this gentleman's name is Sav, S-A-V. And he, as you may recall, has been listening to my uh, podcast and my radio work for, you know, 12 years or more. As has his wife, Vicky. And I got a kick out of the fact that you know, this fella I'd never met before uh, was telling me stories about things that he and his wife, Vicky, enjoyed so much about the podcast uh, that I'm doing right now, uh, this one you're listening to, including some funny moments. He especially liked, uh, you know, the um, some of the Christmas stuff I did, telling the kids to gather around as a possibility. That Santa, Santa is fucking dead. That that's a possibility. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to go back and listen to that podcast and put it in the proper context. But there are some other things that I've talked about that he uh, he enjoyed to such an extent that here it was late at night in Las Vegas and he and Lauren and I are out there uh, hitting the tables and gambling and having some fun, winning some money and... I actually, uh, I got on the phone with, with his wife, Vicky and uh, did a little bit for her about Papa Bawa, uh, which she uh, seemed to enjoy. So um, we had, you know, su- such a great time because we were not only just enjoying each other's company, but, you know, we also were talking about the possibility of working together and doing some research projects um, to create some kind of innovative um, uh, solution to the mosquito problem. But anyway, one of the things I believe that you will find interesting in particular is that this fellow, Sev, he travels oh, just, you know, almost all the time. Sometimes, you know, more days than not in a year. I believe he said that last year alone he went to something like 47 countries. He's just constantly traveling. And so I asked him a question that, again, I believe you will find of interest. I said, well, how do you stay healthy? I said, do you you get sick or do you generally stay healthy? He says, no, I pretty much stay healthy. I said, well, that's one of the most amazing things that you can travel uh, to that extent in such a short period of time you know bouncing from one end of the world to the other uh, constantly on airplanes Uh, and so I said uh, well look I have talked to a lot of people who travel all the time and there are sort of two schools of thought on how to stay healthy Uh, one of them is do not wash your hands. Do not sanitize. Because if you do that, then you are weakening yourself when you get shocked by being exposed to new germs. You know, because uh, supposedly we uh, gradually evolve and develop and. Um, we build up immunity to germs over time because we are exposed to them. It's supposed to be a gradual thing. And if, and if you're if you're just, you know, 
taking that gradual process away, well, then you're going to hit. You're going to get hit by something that's going to boom, knock you, knock you right in the dirt. And it reminds me when I was doing the TV series called Paranormal Paparazzi for the Travel Channel, and I got to spend a couple of days with a guy named Dan Martin who made the decision to go off with his wife and live in complete isolation for six years. Um, I mean, they did not see one person for six years. They they got in a helicopter. He made a lot of money working for uh, one of these big aircraft companies. I think it was Boeing or something like that. They got in a helicopter. They flew out to some of the most desolate parts of the the mountains around the border of texas and mexico places that are officially designated as uninhabitable and they just found a mountain top that they they liked and they landed there and he staked his damn claim and they built a house that was uh in perfect harmony with mother nature that would collect rainwater um for their drinking and that would allow them to to generate electricity through uh, solar panels and uh, windmills and uh, I mean he, he and, and then he had some livestock and he had a hydroponic garden I mean this he and his wife just turned their back on society for six years and uh, it got to the point where time was practically meaningless you know he was only functioning with the rhythms of mother nature and he didn't even know anyway so finally after six years they came out of this because he wanted to reconnect with some of his family and when he came out of it he said i was so sick i almost died as soon as i came into contact with modern day germs they had to give me medication that would usually be given to like hiv patients to help me not die because i had missed the six year period of evolution you know alongside the the germs and so and he actually talked about a lot of other interesting stuff like for example how that a lot of stuff that people uh would see as being slow was fast to him like for example he he couldn't get out of an elevator on time because it just seemed like the doors were closing too fast or he couldn't walk across the street in time and so that's just an example of what I'm talking about. So I asked Sav, I said, you're a man that I I know uh, is working for this major company. You're traveling around and seeing so many different cultures in a year. How do you come down on this? How do you stay healthy? And he said, I do everything that you hear about that doctors tell you you're supposed to do he said every time i have an opportunity i use soap and i wash my hands and you know he doesn't go like to some crazy level of being overboard he's he's not somebody who's like a a germaphobe or obsessive compulsive but he says you know just do what the medical community tells you in terms of like you know keeping yourself away uh, or keeping yourself clean you know from from typical germs and he says that's what actually works so 
maybe this podcast for you is worth nothing more than just getting that tidbit because we are now in a season where a lot of people are in a lot of trouble uh, with cold and flu and all that. And I mean, you know, this is the time when people are getting getting really sick and getting into some rough spots. So take that as a, a gem of wisdom, thanks to Sav. And let me tell you, if this guy didn't know what he was talking about, he would be sick all the time. And he also is a scientist who is working for a company that is dealing with pests microorganisms you know all those little little things that we hate and so that's again a gem of wisdom for you so okay um couple things i want to tell you before i wrap up this podcast number one you know that i was not able to do the fourth phase of the roulette experiment last time because some of the polls were tied so I have now set a time and date. Turns out I'm going to be uh, attending a movie premiere. One of those where they have the red carpet and they hand out the bags full of swag and all that stuff. I'm going to be attending a movie premiere at a casino this coming Thursday, uh, which is January the 17th here in Vegas and so I've decided I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to try again for phase four on January the 17th this time it will be at uh, 6 30 p.m. I'll be at a roulette wheel here in Las Vegas Thursday January 17th at 6 30 p.m. so if you are one of those people who made it successfully through phase one two and three and you are trying for phase four well here you go this is another opportunity i have posted a link for you at joshua p warren actually that's it uh that's my twitter account that's what it's at joshua p warren at joshua p warren if you go there you'll find the link and it's actually the same link as as last time for the four spins but this time we'll see what happens you know hopefully uh, we'll have a, a majority consensus on each spin. If not, then I'll just postpone it again. But this is your opportunity, uh, but you only have a few days to go there and participate. So go to my Twitter account, and you'll find the link where you can go and put in your input. And here is the last thing I want to share with you. Tomorrow, my plan is... Unless something happens that hampers me from from doing one of these podcasts. Tomorrow my plan is to finally share something with you that, well, it's going to be historic. I don't don't know, you know, however you view it, it will be historic. Um, I have developed this whole new technique called Parasymatics 2.0, where I am taking... Uh, images of things and I am converting those images into sounds and tomorrow again if all goes the way I plan you will listen to this podcast and you will be the first person in the world to hear the tone that comes from an extremely amazing mysterious world famous site 
aside from, of course, myself and Lauren. Lauren gets to hear everything because she's my wife. But other than that, you will be the first person who gets to hear this. So I'm going to tell you more about it and uh, what I'm doing to capture it and all that. And then, you know, I'm actually quite eager to see what you think about just, you know, the way this thing sounds. Um, But it's a whole new branch of research. You're going to be hearing a lot more about it this year. Um, I'm going to be shooting some videos and stuff about it. And I mean, this is going to go into, it's going to spiral and spin in all kinds of directions. Uh, I have a whole plan and idea for like how this is going to advance. But tomorrow you definitely want to, uh, you want to listen to this podcast and be one of the first people in history to hear what I am going to play for you. So, oh, I could keep going. There's so much happening, but I I, I promised you I'd, I'd give you a, a lengthier one, and oh, this is this is a pretty good uh, update to let you know sort of what's been happening. So I hope that you have enjoyed it, and uh, trust me, we're just getting started here in this new year, 2019. And oh boy, is this going to be one for the record books. I promise you that. So, that said, this podcast is called Joshua P. Warren Daily. It's always short, always free, always independent. Um, And, you know, if you go to joshuapwarren.com, there's no period after the P, you can click the link to the Curiosity Shop. And if you click the link to the Curiosity Shop, you'll find a lot of interesting stuff that you can look into. I'll also tell you that this podcast is uncensored. And if you don't believe that, fuck you. So, there you go. I said it. It's uncensored. I'm telling you. I'm proving it. It's independent. You need to go to joshuapwarren.com click around see what else i've got there see what else i've got and click the link to this podcast joshua p warren daily you can subscribe through various means or just follow me on twitter at joshua p warren at joshua p warren and i will tweet when a new one is available so that is it for today thank you for listening thank you for your interest and support thank you for staying curious and i will talk to you Again, soon.